Design Pickle is a big supporter of everything on Seminary. If you haven't heard, they are a flat rate, unlimited use graphic design service helping churches across the nation. We're a proud client of theirs and love how they help us make social media graphics and those downloadable PDF article summaries that we've been sending out. Even if you have a designer, you need to check them out. To learn more, visit designpickle.com forward slash churches. On that same page, you can watch a totally free 30 minute video of me and the founder of Design Pickle talking about modern church marketing and of course pickles welcome to the unseminary podcast are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further faster have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world hey you're not alone join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary buckle up and let's get started with this week's unseminary podcast hey everybody welcome to the unseminary podcast my name is rich the host here and i'm just so honored that you took some time out uh, to be with us today we've got a great interview i've actually really been looking forward to this interview for quite a while. We've got Scott Kramer from GT Church. This is a fantastic church you should be following. Uh, it's in Pennsylvania, two locations currently in West Lawn and Kutztown. I've actually had an opportunity to be at both these, these locations. It's just really a fantastic church. Scott is the executive pastor at GT Church and oversees life groups and spiritual coaching and, and the school of ministry. Um, it, really fantastic. So Scott, welcome to the show. All right. Thank you, Rich. Glad to be here. Why don't you Glad tell us a bit about the church? If people were to show up this weekend, uh, what would they expect? Give us a kind of a flavor for the church. Yeah, um, we are we are Glad Tidings Assembly of God Church, known as GT Church in our community. Mm -hmm. uh, we are actually a 91-year-old church. Fantastic. But a very, I think you'd, you'd come here and have a very contemporary feel. Um, I think if you think of like a you know, kind of a hybrid of elevation or Hillsong worship, that kind of style. Mm -hmm. uh, and and our, our aim with our, our message is always to make it relevant. You know, we've heard people say, you know, if, if I can't use it on Monday, we won't say it on Sunday. We really aim for about a probably a 40 minute message that's very relevant and deals with real life issues. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have a teaching team approach. Our lead pastor, Brian Cuck, um, is our lead pastor, and he, he speaks about probably 25 to 30 times a year. Mm -hmm. I, I have the honor of being part of the teaching team and as well as several others. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a church of about 3,000. Mm -hmm. On the weekend, we got two Sunday morning services at our main campus at West Lawn. Uh, and then our Kutztown campus, about 20 minutes away, mm -hmm. uh, has a Sunday morning service at, at 10 a.m. as well. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah, this is uh, is a great church. And if you ever are in that part of the world, make sure you get a chance to uh, to visit. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, something pretty profound happened at your church that we want to kind of lean into and get your perspective on. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of that story? Yeah, I'll start by telling the story where I was. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like one for, for our church, Rich, um, this moment was kind of like in a very small sense, a 9-11, where you know where you were when oh, you heard right, the news. Right, right, um, yeah. In that regard, obviously, um, I was at a pizza shop um, mm -hmm. Sunday afternoon after my my sons had a baseball tournament mm -hmm. uh, in a nearby town, and my phone rang from our facility director, and he's also the brother-in-law of our lead pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, John called me, and as soon as I picked up the phone, I was like, "Hey, John, what's up?" He's like, "Scott." He's like, "Something awful has happened. Um, mm -hmm. Brian and Lynn were in a motorcycle accident," mm -hmm. and I'm like, "Okay, my so my face sinks, my right. heart sinks, and." We're celebrating a trophy, right? We're with a whole bunch of families at this mm -hmm. pizza shop, and my heart is in my foot right now. Mm. And I'm like, John, what happened? He's like, well, they got hit head on. Oh, my goodness. Um, we, we don't know many details, he said. Um, we just know that they got hit head on. They've been air rushed to the hospital, he said, and we think we already lost Lynn. Mm. <laughs> at which point, of course, 
I'm like ready to weep and cry. Right. And my wife sitting across the table having pizzas looking at me and she sees my face turn right. white. She sees the expression. And when he said, Scott, we, we think we already lost Lynn. I mean, I just like, you lose it. You know, mm. it's just one of those moments you're like, this mm. is this happening? Like, right. this is surreal. Right. Very it's just, surreal. It, this can't be real. And right. so I just, I said, John, where are they? I'm leaving right now. So I, we grabbed the kids. We got three kids, two boys and a little girl. Mm-hmm. And I said, Kate, we got to go right away. It's urgent. And I just, you know, told the whole, all the families at the pizza shop, mm-hmm. listen, our pastor was in a horrible accident. We got to go right away. So I run to my parents' house, drop the kids off. We go to the hospital, and and of course, you know, encountered by several others who were there already, mm-hmm. um, to only discover the worst imaginable thing that Lynn had passed mm. instantly on mm. the motorcycle. What it, what it turns out was they were driving home from a ride. They often would go out on a Sunday afternoon ride. They just it was their favorite hobby. Brian and Lynn would ride mm-hmm. motorcycle all the time for mm-hmm. 20 years, mm-hmm. and it would just that was their thing, and so. They're coming home from the, I think, the Pretzel Hut in Lancaster hmm. and um, going around a re- very sharp bend a mile from their house. Hmm. Um, a, a guy who had way too much to drink crossed the center line and hit him head on. Hmm. And um, Lynn, on the impact, her, her, her neck snapped and hmm. lost her life immediately. Brian, on the other hand, was pinned under the SUV for hours. Hmm. Um, lost an enormous amount of blood. He lost his left leg on the scene. Um, he, he's an amputee now from above the knee. So the, the bottom half of his leg, more than half of his leg was, was lost on the scene. That's where the, that's where the impact was on the mm-hmm. left side. Mm-hmm. He laid under the, um, the SUV for hours, mm-hmm. you know, lost enormous amount of blood. I think after it was all said and done, many surgeries, 20 right. some surgeries, 36 units of blood. I mean, it was, right. it was horrific. Huge. Yeah. It horrific accident. Horrific. Um, we, and, and the most horrifying part was we didn't know if Brian was going to live. Right. For the first probably almost week, mm-hmm. his his life was very in the balance as well. Mm-hmm. He had multiple internal injuries. The loss of blood was so severe. He had mm-hmm. some head trauma. Both had helmets on, but it was you know his lungs just. It was a, a horrible, horrible season in our church life, and yep. so you can imagine the 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 communication firestorm and social right. media, all that, the media, everything, just right. in high gear. Right. High gear, you know. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, obviously we're going to try to pick this apart. I want to do this delicately because, Mm -hmm. you know, Brian uh, obviously is a dear, is a loved leader. You know, he had been the lead pastor at that point, 25 years, 27 years, something like that. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just trying on, to give some context. Had been at the church yeah. and really had been there through this growth, right? That the church, a church of three thousand, really was was a significant right. piece of that puzzle. That's correct, Rich. Um, in fact, I grew up in the church. Nice. Yep. So Brian was my pastor when I when I was in tenth grade. Brian got hired as an associate pastor mm-hmm. in 1988, and then in 1990 or 91, I believe he was voted as the lead pastor. So he's been Amazing. the lead pastor for 26 years or so. Right. Um, and a lot of the growth has been under his leadership. He's a dynamic speaker, communicator, preacher, and leader. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the growth that our church has experienced, probably when I was a kid, the church was two to 300 people. Right. And so in the last, under his leadership, two to 3,000, you know, it's just right. been a, a great growth. But yeah, and he, just so you understand, Rich, he he speaks about this very comfortably. I mean, right. obviously it's traumatic. Yep. It's horribly, he lost his wife, he lost mm-hmm. his left leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he does speak on it. He mm-hmm. gets invited to, to share his story at churches. Mm-hmm. He this just this year in August he got to share his story with the entire mm-hmm. Assemblies of God General Council. Mm-hmm. So 
he was it was just you know to encourage people through these kinds of mm-hmm. tragedies and it was it was an awesome opportunity for him so yeah and they you know to kind of jump ahead the the punchline is he ended up and, and again, I'm compressing years in a long sure. time. It was like two months in the hospital, a lot of work. And yes, I, 51 days in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I, you know, I actually I ended up at GT. I think he had been back for maybe a month, a month or six weeks, um, and got a chance to see, you know, Brian preach, and um, you know, that was uh, that was amazing. Yeah. And and so what I what I want to do is is. And again, I don't want to be light of the situation, but there are oftentimes in church leadership circles, you know, you'll hear the shorthand of like, well, what happens if, you know, the lead guy gets hit by a truck and, and literally that's what happened. And, yeah. and so what I, I'd love to do is, and, that, and again, not trying to be indelicate to pick that apart. First of all, you as a leader, obviously you're, you're. I would imagine there's multiple things happening in your brain at the time. There's, you know, how do we care for Brian as an individual? How do, you know, his the family tragedy that has gone on there? And then obviously then what impact does this have on the church? How do we, in those in those early days, what were some of the first steps you took uh, to try to manage all those, you know, various pieces of the puzzle? Yeah, Rich. And, and again, if I, there's so much to tell from right. this story. If I, if I, just give me a nod or something, if I need to move on, there's yep. so much to say, but you're, you're absolutely correct. There were so many um, plates spinning at the same time in this kind of tragedy. There, there was caring for Brian and wanting to know that he had people with him that I would be able to go visit with him mm-hmm. as often as I possibly could. He wasn't just my pastor. Mm-hmm. Brian hasn't just been my ministry mentor. He was my friend, still is my friend, a great mm-hmm. friend. And so this, it was emotional for me. I mean, it was emotional for all of us, the church, everyone. So while you are trying to manage your own emotions, you have to also think of all the different moving parts in the church. There's So there's a care for Brian, there's a care mm-hmm. for his, his family, his three sons, our young adult mm-hmm. sons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them married, one of them engaged at the time, mm-hmm. um, and one heading off to college at that time. Um, and then there's there, there's the church, you know, just the the, the care for the congregation, all the communication that would have to happen. Mm-hmm. Everything that we were doing just came to a screeching halt right. for a season. where There were some big things that we had to really sort through mm-hmm. um, with whether or not we were going to still do them. Mm-hmm. We had a VBS, our, one of our biggest outreaches of the year. Over a thousand kids come to our church for oh my goodness. four days of VBS, three weeks after this accident. Oh my goodness. We had to wrestle that to the ground as, with our board of deacons and our elder board to say, do we do this? We had a missions team leaving for Uganda, mm. for Africa, the next week. Hmm. Do we go? Like, yeah. What, what was going on? How did you How did you come about making a decision one way or another? What was kind of factoring in on those decisions? Yeah. So I'll say this: um, with Brian's style of leadership, first of all, we all knew Brian. We know Brian well, and we know his heart. Mm-hmm. And Brian would never have wanted ministry to stop on his account, right. regardless of the the tragedy that we that we had said in the beginning days this is unthinkable it's unimaginable that this would ever happen mm-hmm. right we knew brian's heart to such a degree that we knew that he would say listen you go the mission of the church doesn't change because of an individual's heartache right mm-hmm. and so knowing brian's heart for ministry and for the mission uh, and the cause of christ we knew in our hearts that we could go forward with ministry mm-hmm. and brian part of his leadership style was very much an empowering and delegating leadership style, mm-hmm. um, led by example so much. But he would all, you use this phrase already, Rich. He would say all the time, "Look, gang, if I get hit by a truck, mm-hmm. Rich, he would say that all the time to us. <laughs> Amazing. You know, as a means of like, 
listen, the show must go on. Right, it's like, bigger than ministry, me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. That's right. Yeah. It's bigger than me. While I, uh, while God has appointed me to lead this church, listen, mm-hmm. if I ever get hit by a truck someday, somebody else is going to lead this church, and right. the staff will lead the church. And now we've scolded him a thousand times since then. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> Stop gotta, saying that. That joke is. Fine, you got to find a new axiom. <laughs> we need an axiom update. Is what we yes, call it. An exactly. axiom update. You got to find a new way to say that. Okay. Right. Because you've been hit by a truck. Yes. And we're done saying we're done that around that. GT. We're done with that. Yeah, we're done with that. That's. <laughs> but there, but yeah, and, and communication was a big deal for us in the beginning, and very fortunately, we had a very gifted and experienced communication director, mm-hmm. uh, Karen Troutman, who kind of helped us. One of her fortes was crisis communication. Okay. And so she was really, we feel like, man, God had put her there for such a time as this. And mm-hmm. we could um, we could just really learn and think through all the different messages the church would give updates three times a day on Brian's condition. People want to know, like the church, right. thousands of people, how's he doing? What's new? What's next? Like right. this constant flow of communication from the mm-hmm. church and through social media. And then what we were saying on Sunday, the update mm-hmm. on Sunday, like mm-hmm. somebody had to preach. I was, you know, the, the board and the, the, the deacon board and elder board, a structure again that Brian had mm-hmm. installed, was able to uh, name me the interim pastor in the, okay. in the meantime for mm-hmm. a few months while Brian was recovering. So mm-hmm. it was that again, that was another part of the story where uh, with the way that Brian led and ha- having the structure that he had already put in place, it, there was no scramble for power. Right. There wasn't now the pastoral staff sitting there saying, hmm, who gets to do this? Who's going to do oh, this? Like, interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was very clear, having appointed me as the executive pastor probably five or six years ago, Right. there was no vying for position. Hmm. The staff was amazing. I mean, we have an incredible team, and you know, with with their incredible service, we, we, we were able to lead the church. And, mm-hmm. and we've said for years now, a couple of years since the accident, the church hardly had a speed bump right. because the ministry, obviously, mm-hmm. this was way more than a speed bump right. in our lives, in Brian's life, the life of our congregation, our beloved pastor of 28 years, you know. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the ministry and the, the mission of the church, we, we were able to go on and to move right. forward. Yeah, and that I'd love to dig into that a little bit because when, when I heard this story, that was a, it was it was after um, so I know a couple of your team members. It was after the accident, but it was a few months in, and I remember thinking I just assumed like so I guess everything came to a screeching halt. But actually, the you know my impression is actually that things like you say it, it from from a mission point of view, you know, continued to go forward. What were some of the things that you did that or that God used in the midst of this to kind of help things, you know, continue on. One of the, I think, one of the keys in this season was our elder board. Okay. So Brian years ago had had implemented what what he called the elder board. So we have mm-hmm. a deacon board. We're a congregational form of government in our yep. church, and we have a, a board of deacons who helps to lead from a, like a high level administrative administrative mm-hmm. uh, purpose. Um, but then he put in place an elder board mm-hmm. where they were appointed by Brian uh, mm-hmm. mainly for support. Um, and accountability for the lead pastor. Right. And that elder board was composed of three resident elders and three non-resident elders. So the three uh, resident elders were on staff. Yep. Um, I was. I'm one of them. Uh, Phil Baker's one of them, and Brian's another elder. Um, and then we have uh, Greg Hubbard, Tom Rees, and Jim Comenzo, who are non-resident elders. They they're connected to our church, but they're not part of our church on a regular uh, basis. Interesting. Okay. And so, I mean, they're connected deeply, but they were they were a team. Put together by Brian to just mm-hmm. to bring high level like vision steering mm-hmm. and accountability to Brian, and mm-hmm. so we've had these elders in place for years. And right. when this happened, we just felt like you know what? Again, for such a time as this, this right. is a time where 
the elders who play a pretty much quiet role mm-hmm. behind the scenes, really just there mm-hmm. to support the lead pastor. We felt like this is a season where they need to come up front. Mm-hmm. We need to have the elders be visible in front of the congregation so that it it provided security for the church family to say, mm-hmm. you know what, this this deal is bigger than any one person. It's not it's not on my shoulders. Right. While I was the executive pastor and and given the opportunity to lead in that scenario, the, the future of the church laid in the hands of very capable elders and a very mm-hmm. capable staff. Oh, it's, it's fascinating. Now, I wonder if, could, could you explain a little bit more detail around the internal, external uh, elder board? Because, you know, the interesting thing about that, uh, this is, it is actually, like you say, for moments like this, that that kind of structure, um, you know, comes about. You just, you know, there are, are moments where you need that, you know, kind of some extra leadership. How, how does that work? Just kind of give us a little more explanation around that. Yeah, and I think, again, that's one of the strengths of Brian's leadership that he, I think he understood the, the importance of structure. Yep. That's an important word for us, and and we didn't realize how vital that would be. So we again, we have a deacon board, which mm-hmm. has, is uh, nominated, nominated and voted on by the congregation, seven people who mm-hmm. serve for a one-year term. But then there's an elder board that's that's appointed and selected, hand-picked by right. the lead pastor. Um, three of those elders are internal, meaning they're on staff, and three mm-hmm. of those elders are external, meaning they have a strong relationship connection right. to our church, but they're not paid staff members. Mm-hmm. Greg Hubbard, uh, he's an evangelist. He speaks mm-hmm. at our church six or seven times a year. He's an elder. Yep. Tom Rees, who's in the Pendel District office, mm-hmm. uh, was on staff years ago at GT, but is an, a non-resident elder. Then Jim Comenzo, a friend of our church, attends occasionally, um, is just a tremendous man of God. He's an external kind of non-resident elder. And then three of us internally yeah. who are on staff and pastors are elders, Brian, myself, and then Phil Baker, our missions pastor. Now, for people that are listening in that may not be familiar with that kind of structure, there is an interesting piece of that puzzle that, um, you know, you have obviously internal staff who are at a senior level and then external staff who are, it sounds like, are a part of other ministries or are, are familiar with the ministry context, which particularly at the moments like this, um, you know, I think it's I think it's important to think through who are the people that will be steering the ship at that moment, um, and and you know, like typically, like in your your structure with, um, you know, maybe internal deacons who they they love the church, they're a part of the church, mm-hmm. they're you know they're a part of the the ministry, but they you know they're they may be a doctor lawyer, they may be like they run their own business, whatever they do, whatever in their in their in their normal lives, but when it comes to a moment like this, actually having kind of senior leaders from other ministries there, um, you know, to help uh, can be just a tremendous gift. Obviously, it's a gift on day in, day out for a lead pastor like Brian to have someone, you know, a group like that that he can go to on a regular basis, but then particularly at moments uh, like this. So after a few months, um, again, I, I feel bad every time we kind of just move along on Brian's life. Yeah. After a few months where it, and when it got to, take me to the moment where, okay, it had it was clear, you know, obviously he had severe injuries. He had kind of made some progress. It, it looked like, okay, he, he's definitely coming back. I'm sure there was a moment where it was like, is he coming? Is he not coming? What's that going to look like? But we get past that. He's he's definitely coming back. Um, what did the kind of re-entry process look like? I'd love to kind of process that a little bit. It was... So his re-entry to ministry was slow and fast at the same time because when you consider what he had been through, I mean, he had, again, pinned under an SUV, lost more than his entire volume of blood, you know, in an induced coma for three weeks. I mean, 51 days in ICU, it's it's amazing that he's right. even alive, right? right? Lost his left leg. It's just incredible. So he started to, once he left the hospital, 51 mm-hmm. days in the hospital, he started to just 
we would we would start to have some meetings at his house again mm-hmm. just to fellowship with him just to right. see him we were so glad to just like Brian it's so good to see you you know and he'd be like well it's so good to be seen you know and <laughs> and we just we would just spend time together we'd have some casual casual meetings you know yep. the senior leadership of the church on staff we'd just go and meet with him kind of uh, some updates for him he knew where we were with what's been going on at the church and and him to just maybe speak into some things and so we'd meet at his house and then week later we'd go over again and just again some conversations that were happening some meetings that we'd have mm-hmm. um i think we're frozen again mm-hmm. no i'm good good yep. so then he then he made his he's like you know we you guys surprised me at the house he he did a drop by visit at the church just showed okay. up in a wheelchair yeah we're like oh my word brian's here we were yes. like yeah. we just like called the staff like he's here you know yes it was yeah, his yeah. first day back just came by the office just surprised us he was down the street for an, a doctor's visit and just popped in so it was like that was a really yeah, exciting totally. staff to see our pastor again like oh my word brian's back and yeah so these there were these casual visits and just sporadic but then as he was starting to feel better and really starting to feel more himself i think mm-hmm. that was what took a while again you can't in in 20 minutes describe 51 days in the icu right. it's right. as you can imagine so but yeah. as he started to feel more himself and started mm-hmm. to have his mind come clear and his memory and all that like mm-hmm. He started to get more involved, and he'd come. He'd come to meetings at the church, mm-hmm. and he'd do you know a couple days a week, four hours a day, just come, and he'd be in meetings. We'd con- connect with him, and he'd be part of the the senior leadership of the, the the meetings we had to plan ministry, and and then we started to talk about well, what would it look like for you to come back and to just speak to the church, you know? Mm. And so we planned a, an incredible first day back again. Mm-hmm. He wasn't back in the office full time at that point mm-hmm. when he first appeared on stage October eighteenth. 2015 just for the church to see him mm-hmm. and he did preach he preached the last message in a series that w- it was called epic mm-hmm. series we had planned six months before the accident crazy. called epic yeah it's crazy and it's and the the bottom line for that day which we had written before the accident was if if god brings you to it he will bring you through it mm-hmm. we'd written that mess that that bottom line to to frame out that series before the accident ever occurred and then as time progressed, we're like, oh my gosh, like Brian could preach that last message. Mm-hmm. If God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Amazing, amazing. It's unbelievable. So the last the last week of that series, Epic, mm-hmm. was incredibly epic for our church. It was probably one of the most amazing moments in our church life. Absolutely. By far the most well attended mm-hmm. weekend of service. We had we added two Saturday night services for that week and mm-hmm. And it's Sunday morning, and it was—I mean, it was standing room only. It was—it was unbelievable. I cried every service. It was just right. incredible. And he just wheeled out. And he didn't have his prosthetic leg yet. He just mm-hmm. wheeled out in the wheelchair. It was like ten minutes of applause, standing ovation. Because wow. our church, we decided to see our pastor again, yep. like on yep. the stage, doing what he's called to do. Yeah. It was—it was an amazing, amazing moment. So after that, again, then you're looking at Christmas Eve, and he—I think he preached one more message between October 18th and Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and then it's Christmas Eve, and he had his prosthetic leg on and again there was just so many amazing moments hmm. in that time you know that's amazing and then so then he was back kind of at what point did it kind of transfer back he was you know kind of back in the not only in the pulpit but then really leading um you know was that later that that spring or was it that winter time I, no it was before that i i i now that i, I it was either um it was like the end of the year or the beginning of the year it was either right. end of 2015 or beginning of 2016 when right. we kind of just did this it was kind of like a re-handoff back yeah, to Brian, yeah, right, you know. Right. It kind of happened. We have a um, 
at that point in time, we had a, what we call the ministry leadership teams, about 11 of us who were like the, for simple terms, the department leaders, and we were all part of a ministry leadership team, which I had been leading for the last three or four months in Brian's absence that was part of the design of my role. And um, we were just in a meeting, and we were just kind of talking about, like, again, casual conversation among leaders who were right. friends, just like, you know, when, at what point do we you know, transfer leadership back to our, our pastor. And right. we just talked and it's like, I'm like, Brian, whenever you're ready, <laughs> right. you're our pastor. Wow. He's kind of just transpired like, I think I'm ready. Okay. Right. It's, nice. It's, it's not me. I'm, I'm here just to serve in your absence. Hmm. So you were absent. I was serving. But mm-hmm. when you're back, you're the leader. Wow. So there's, uh, there's it's just a, a it's amazing. Hand. So much to pull apart here. And the thing I love about the story is there was again your credit to your leadership to Brian's leadership of really years of building relational equity with each other with the church with leaders to you know to bring you to the point where you could weather a storm like this um, one last question uh, before we move on with the rest of um, you know that our, our episode I know there's a lot we could talk about but looking back on it um, is there anything that you'd be like you were you you would say maybe maybe we would have done this differently you know there was a piece of this puzzle that you know maybe you know having been through this this is literally a once in a lifetime kind of thing no one yeah. knows as you go through it you're like okay we're just relying on the Lord uh, but now having you know kind of hindsight is there anything that you would have done different huh wow rich that's a um that's a um thought-provoking question because as again the beauty of having again an incredible staff Mm -hmm. uh, a large leadership team we had a lot of voices around the table at that season there wasn't like me and three others it was our ministry leadership team our deacon board our elder board you're talking about 20 people right seasoned leaders and veteran ministry leaders speaking into the big decisions and right. the timing of when things, I mean, Brian wasn't there for his wife's funeral. Right. Yeah. One of the hardest decisions we ever made was we were going to bury Lynn and Brian was going to watch it on a video when mm-hmm. he was conscious. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's bizarre, right? right. It's incredible. Right. But right. those kinds of decisions were made by a well-seasoned team, and, and you—I'm sure I could come up with some. Yeah, 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 right. But I, I've never thought of that. Well, like, there's nothing I that feel jumps like out. As we yeah, no, journeyed through that season, I, I feel like we handled it the best we were able to at the Absolutely. time. I'm sure if I sat down with time, I could write ten things we would have done differently. No, no, but yeah, that's good. No, I think spot, that's I'm good. Like, yeah. Again, I think I think the thing I'm hoping people are picking out is the depth of leadership, the you know pursuing wisdom, you know asking, you know yep. staying close to each other, staying rela- relationally con- connected through it, um, you know is is amazing. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the show. This has been um, great, you know, today with Scott Kramer from GT Church in uh, Pennsylvania. Scott, what is an online resource that you've been using uh, these days that's been helping you in your ministry? Yeah, I I'm a I love to listen to podcast preaching because mm, um, nice. I you know one of the things I because I, I was called when I was 29 I was called a ministry so I never saw myself as a preacher but I, it's, it's a craft I want to grow in and a gifting I want to get better at so I, I do a lot of listening to podcast preaching I listen to North Point Elevation mm-hmm. Church I listen to Ron Carpenter I listen mm-hmm. to T.D. Jakes I just I follow a lot of different preachers because I love to just grow in that skill of preaching and teaching Yeah, totally. so that's probably the one thing I use most of all is just I want to get better at as a preacher and teacher and communicator and I, nice. I really when I listen to their messages I'm blessed personally but 
I think I'm looking for ways to grow my own communication and totally. my preaching voice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. What's a book you've read in the last, I don't know, maybe six months to a year that's, that shaped your thinking, shaped your ministry? Yeah, we've, we've had a lot. We, we, one of the practices we do again, I think is a strong practice for our church staff is we read books together. Yep. Um, even at the highest level, our board right now is working through a book called sticky teams. Yeah. That's a great book. Um, which is a great book. And, um, and so we're working through that with the board and with our executive leadership team on staff. And it just, oh, nice. we walk together, we, we pick apart the concepts and we talk about how they apply to our lives. Um, mm-hmm. I'm reading your book right now on reasonable churches. Oh. It's been a good read. Now I got to <laughs> save you 20 bucks. I'll give you the, the shameless plug <laughs> for you. Nice. But yeah, myself and our campus pastor, Eric Goldsboro, are, work, are working our way through that book right now because we're, we're looking at our, our campus, which is portable right now. And we want to see it permanent someday. So we're kind of working through that, that book right now together, just reading. Again, there's so much value when our staff is reading something together. Right. You know, because we're thinking the same way, we're hearing the same things, and then we can implement mm-hmm. and execute together. Cool. What's another ministry you're looking at that inspires you? You'd mentioned Elevation. Are there mm-hmm. any others out there that, that inspire you? Yeah, I mean, again, I think a lot of the churches in our country have mm-hmm. been learning from Elevation and Andy Stanley and mm-hmm. Catalyst and Orange and, and all mm-hmm. that. But I'm inspired by... Uh, like I mentioned earlier, not a lot of people I don't think know Ron Carpenter and his mm-hmm. church, but mm-hmm. he's a very energetic, um, charismatic mm-hmm. preacher, and he's mm-hmm. got a very multicultural, diverse church, and that inspires me. And our, mm-hmm. I think our church has been doing well with that. We we want Brian again to Brian's leadership. He has said for decades, we want our church to look like heaven, mm-hmm. and heaven's going to be populated with every race and tongue mm-hmm. and nation and tribe and mm-hmm. people group, and mm-hmm. and we want our church to reflect what heaven's going to look like, and right. so. I'm inspired when I see churches that are that are are not getting it perfect, but getting it right with right. the racial divide that exists across this country, and mm-hmm. and seeing lots mm-hmm. of languages and nations mm-hmm. and skin colors worship, mm-hmm. worshiping together. So very cool. Well, I know yeah. being an executive pastor at a church like yours, it takes a lot. Uh, but what do you do when you just want to kick back, relax, uh, have some fun? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, I, I'm married for 17 years with my wife Kate. Uh, we've got two boys who are 14 and, and 12, Lucas and Matthew, and our daughter, Erilyn, who turned six today. Today's her nice. birthday. Congratulations. So she's super excited to be <laughs> six now. Um, and so my family's number one. I love right. just being with my family and doing – we love road trips. We love just day trips and doing stuff. Um, so family's number one for me. Then number two would be golf. Oh, cool. I absolutely love, love, love to golf. So if I get out – I'm happy to get out twice a month and – and golf with friends. I just enjoy it so much. Cool. Yeah. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you being on the show. If people want to get in touch with you uh, or the church, how can they do that? What's the best way for them to do that? Probably our website, gtaog.org. Great. gtaog.org. Perfect. Yep. That's, that's wonderful. Scott, I really appreciate being on the show today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Rich, for having me. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.